This is 11 on the Ice. Sponsored by Don's Appliances. Exceptional brands and service since 1971. And good morning. Thanks for waking up with us for some hockey talk. This is 11 on the ice. I've got two guys who are off limits at the trade deadline. Joining me, Dan Kovacevic <laughs> in studio from our partners at DKFitzergSports.com. And on Zoom from Arizona, the old 2-9er, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Phil Bork. Now the Penguins quickly got back on track after their tough loss in Nashville. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I thought our guys played hard, you know, tonight. I thought we played hard in Nashville. You know, it, um, and, and if we put that kind of a game on the ice consistently, we're going to give ourselves a chance to win on most nights. Now we'll start tonight, this morning, with lineup changes. Mike Sullivan pulling the trigger on Tuesday and Thursday. The big move that I think a lot of people were anticipating, taking Brian Rust off the top line, moving him to the second line, moving Evan Rodriguez up to the top line. After two games, what do we think? Borky, we'll start with you. I'll be honest with you, Jenna. I, I was giddy. I was excited for this change. I like that Mike Sullivan is trying something different. Uh, this time of the season, why not? Right before the trade deadline, why not? Uh, and I think that Gino needs a little help, uh, you know, going uh, six games without a point now uh, that just couldn't find a right winger. And, you know, if Brian Russ is a guy, I, I hope it works. I really do. But why I have mixed feelings is because I don't want to see Rusty off the Sid and Jake line. That's just arguably the best line in hockey. So I hate to give you an on-the-fence type of answer. You know that. You've known me long enough. Uh, I just don't think we've had enough games to, with Rusty and Gino together to see if it's going to work. Uh, I, I don't think Sully's going to wait too much longer. If you go a couple more games, it doesn't work. I think Rusty will be right back with Sid. Dan, do you share this excitement or is it a little bit of mixed feelings uh, I well? share the appreciation and the respect for the approach that Sullivan is taking, but I also think it's uh, the entirety of management that's doing it because let's remember that the NHL trade deadline is coming up and what you want to do if you're the Penguins, you want to make sure you're checking off all of the boxes that you already have in-house. So if, let's say, Evan Rodriguez, and I, and I share Phil's concern about this, the you don't want to mess with a really, really good first line, but let's say that Evan Rodriguez were to just magically become the Evan Rodriguez from the first half of the season, then you say, all right, well, maybe we can make this work, and we don't have to give up something in order to make a move from the outside. So now is the time, like Phil said, to find out. Well, the week started off on a great note with the Penguins finally getting over the hump and getting a win over the division-leading Carolina Hurricanes. We had two really close games with them before, and I think we want to make this one count. I think this was kind of our last crack at them, and we didn't want to lose a third one to them. And I think it, it meant a lot just because we might play them in the playoffs just to have that grit in our game and play a full 60 minutes. Guys, how much will that win really set the tone? Because, Ian, that has to be a huge confidence boost, like we heard Jari say, just getting that final crack at him and saying, hey, we got over the hump here. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things, the Stanley Cup playoffs, one of the first questions that people like me ask of the players and the coaches is, yeah, but you didn't beat that team at all in the regular season, <laughs> you know? And you don't want that hanging over you. You want to remember, hey, there was that time that we beat them or we competed with them or we were down or we lost a couple games by a goal. Uh, the fact that the Penguins were able to play, I thought, the worst of their three games overall against Carolina and come out with a W, I thought was a good, good result for them and something that they can carry moving forward. Borky, your opinion too, you think that this is something that this team can build on moving forward here towards the final stretch? 
Yeah, I think just the way they went about winning that game where they got contributions from a whole bunch of different guys and your goaltender was off the charts good. Yeah, I think just confidence-wise, you know, these season series in the regular season, listen, Dayon, Jenna, remember the record against the New York Islanders last year? Mm. They won six of eight in the regular season. How'd it go in the postseason? Not so good. So uh, during the regular season, you can have some individual confidence. You can have some team confidence. But I do think the last game that you play against a team that you potentially could meet in the playoffs, uh, I think it does mean a lot. It's a little message to them but it's a confidence boost to your own team to say, okay, maybe we have unlocked the code on how to beat the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, some mixed results in the next two games. The 5-1 loss to Nashville, a 3-2 shootout win in St. Louis. Borky, how did you rate the Penguins' performance against these two teams? Because we heard Mike Sullivan talk, and he was pretty impressed with the way that they played. I agree with Sully. Uh, I thought they had a lot of good chances. If you take away, you know, the three goals, which were... Uh, two of them were bad defensive zone coverage, a lost face-off, and then you had a kerfuffle between Chris Letang. Cancel, fires, he scores! Oh, the Penguins did a lot of good things. UC Saros was off the charts good. Did the Penguins make him look good? Yes. So I think overall, there was a lot to take out. Mike Sullivan talked to his team before the game against St. Louis and said, hey, listen, we outchanced them 22 to 13. We owned the offensive zone four and a half minutes more than than Nashville did. Those are great positive things. And I think it carried over against St. Louis. To get that first goal by Chad Ruedel, whose you know, uh, in-laws were in the stands, I think that was a big boost. The team knew that. And Tristan Jari was, again, off the charts good. So I think there was some carryover. And I, go, I give that to Mike Sullivan for reinforcing that so they didn't feel down in the dumps about losing the way they did to Nashville. And they were able to pull up their bootstraps and have one of their best performances against St. Louis. Yeah, and Dan, you know, that Nashville game, those are going to be the way sometimes games go where you can play you can have a really good night and just sometimes a couple bounces just don't go your way but to rebound the way that they did against a very strong blues team I mean that just has to carry over too it does I if I agree with Mike Sullivan's assessment assessment that the Penguins have played well in both of those games in Nashville and St. Louis but if there's one thing that I can bring in when it comes to hockey's advanced analytics which aren't always completely on point because there isn't that much data the Penguins currently rank 30th out of the NHL's 32 teams when it comes to finishing and I thought both of these games really underscored that including the one in St. Louis they're creating so much but they aren't burying their chances. And most of that comes as a result of the lack of secondary scoring, which is something that we've harped on for a while. Kasperi Kapanen going 20 games now with no goals. That has to change. And that's why, you know, to echo off the stuff from earlier, it, it's good to see some mixing and matching going on right now with the line combinations. They've got to finish. Well, we are just getting started. Be sure to grab another cup of coffee and continue to join <laughs> us. Coming up next, we'll be talking about how to avoid a trap game against one of the bottom teams in the league. Coming up later tonight, 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Don's Appliances. We'll be right back. And welcome back to 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Don's Appliances. We are thrilled to have Don's Appliances on board with us each week as we take you through the Penguins' push for another Stanley Cup. Now, tonight, the Pens take on Arizona, or this evening. It's kind of a wacky time at 5 p.m. Eastern. Arizona's one of the worst teams in the league. Dan, we'll start with you. It's the classic question, how do the Pens avoid the trap? 
Well, the easy answer to that, Jenna, is that there really shouldn't be a trap. The Coyotes have actually been one of the NHL's better teams uh, in March. They've put up a lot of goals. Yeah. And, and people forget that with Clayton Keller and some of their other younger guys that they've had scorers in that fold. Uh, the fact that they're starting to put it together a little bit now, they're starting to get the finishes that they want. Speaking of finishing, uh, their power play has been effective. Now, should the Penguins beat them? Sure, because they should be playing in the Arizona end most of the time. But you're going to see the Coyotes come at the Penguins on transition, and that's given the Penguins problem no matter who they've been facing this year. Borky, you were talking about it on the broadcast of the Blues game, but the Coyotes, again, have played really well as of late. You can't take this team lightly. No, and I think it might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise to piggyback down there that they have won six of their last eight, and in those six wins, they're averaging around five goals a game. Yeah, the Arizona Coyotes are averaging near five goals a game. And I think the pressure is just off, and they're playing loosey-goosey, which makes them dangerous. But because their record has been so good, because they've been scoring so much, that's going to get the full attention of the coaching staff and the players. And, you know, there's something to be said about this is the last game of a three-game road trip. Not a real long one, but it's the longest one left in the regular season. Uh, they won't have another one longer than two games. As a player, you want to just feel good about the Penguins going to hop on a plane after that afternoon yes. game in Arizona and fly home. You want to feel good about yourself. That will be talked about in the locker room. Hey, let's finish this road trip off strong. We didn't win the first one. Let's win the, the last two and have a fun plane ride back to the Berg. Now the trade deadline approaching in just a few days. It seems like it's all anybody can talk about. Each of the guys gives us their wish list. Coming up next on 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Don's Appliances. Welcome back to 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Don's Appliances. The old 2-9er, Phil Bork in Arizona, Dan Kovacevic in studio. And it is time to talk trade deadline on Monday. Borky, who's at the top of your wish list that the Penguins should bring in here? They call him Ricky Raquel. That is Ricard Raquel. Ooh. He's my guy. Uh, he, he, I understand he could be a bit of a loner. He's a UFA. Uh, I think the potential is there for the Penguins to sign him. The reason I like him, a couple of reasons. Listen, number one would be Gino needs a winger. Gino needs a winger that can score on a consistent basis. Raquel has been that guy. Two-time, 30-plus goal scorer playing for the Anaheim Ducks. He's a right-hand shot that likes to play the left side, but obviously he can play the right side. Uh, we'll see what Jason Zucker is. But I can imagine Zucker, Gino, and Raquel. That'd be a special second line for the Penguins. He's my guy. He's he's a he's a big game player. Uh, he's got decent size. He's about six foot, two hundred five pounds. And uh, being that right hand shot, maybe he's just another guy that you could put on the power play. And just a quick sidebar: we still don't know what's going on with Brian Rust in this extension. So if Rusty ends up leaving next season as a UFA, maybe you can sign Raquel and replace Rusty. Yeah, lots of questions surrounding Rust's future, no doubt. And that's something that we've heard management talk about, you know, trying to put together mm -hmm. as things take shape here. Dane, who's on your wish list in terms of who the Penguins should grab? Well, I want to I go big here. I want to bring JT Miller back home. And Ooh. I know that's easier said than done, uh, especially with Miller's $5 million cap hit in Vancouver. But you can deal with Jim Rutherford. And Jim Rutherford knows the Penguins roster better than anybody since he kind of built most of it. 
And he's going to be able to look at guys like John Marino or Marcus Pedersen because that's what Vancouver wants in return. They want young mobile defensemen. Uh, Miller has another year in addition to this year, so you wouldn't just be getting him as a pure rental, so you might feel a little bit better about giving up a draft pick as well, if that's what it comes to. He is left-handed, uh, and that doesn't make him just a slide right onto Gino's line kind of candidate here, but boy, is he scoring. He has, and he's been looking pretty solid. Well, talking about secondary scoring has been a little bit like a broken record. Yeah. So we're going to break down the three games this week. Here it is. Goals from Boyle, Heinen, Crosby, Aston Reese, Gensel, Ruedel, and Matheson. Seven goals, two from the superstars. Dan, what do you think about this kind of scoring breakout here? I am unsatisfied, Jenna, because <laughs> I'm still not seeing names that I need to see on there. One in particular, Kapanen, and yep. I I'm sorry. I know and Phil, you've talked about this and you're right. You can't just pile on one guy, but it's zero goals in 20 games. In a lot of games, it's not even a sniff. I still need to see Evan Rodriguez getting back to what he was in the first half. There are certain guys on this roster that have to produce goals in order to maintain depth roles on this hockey club. That's a tough, tough sell right now for me that this group is it. Borky, we saw, you know, some promise with guys like Brian Boyle, you know, Jeff Carter going to the net, finally making things happen over the last stretch here. But it seems like there needs to be a little bit more. There does. And, and that's why I don't envy Ronnie Hextall at all the trade deadline here because he knows he has a good team he knows he's got a special group that th there's special chemistry in that room but at the end of the day you're only as strong as your weakest link if you want to get to the promised land i still think that way and i think the, the coaching staff and the players and management think that way too so it's it's a tough call man it, it, to, to move guys out that you know have have special skills to help this team win, whether it's a Zach Astor Reese or a Brian Boyle or, or a slew of guys, Evan Rodriguez. He does a lot of things, but at the end of the day, we need guys like that scoring, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're going to need in the playoffs. Well, who knew the Penguins are road warriors? We knew. We knew that. <laughs> the win over the Blues, they're 20th of the season, more wins than they have at PPG. Berkey, that has to be kind of great for the Pens' confidence, especially come playoff time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, and this team is, is it's an interesting team because to win on the road, you need a certain swagger. You need a certain attitude. And you have to relish going into hostile environments and then being the victor and skating off the ice and looking up into the stands and seeing some sour pusses up there. Man, that gives me goosebumps <laughs> just talking about it. I, I mean, and, and, that's, and that's what I mean about this being a special group that they're able to dig their oars a little bit deeper in the water and play a simpler game, a more effective, a more detailed game when they're on the road. Do they try to maybe show a little bit at home? Yeah, that's human nature. But on the road, man, they get dialed in. And Dane, it was so interesting because this was a team that just a year ago was so good on home ice. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what, what's going to be nice is that this style of play that they're playing on the road happens to be the epitome of the Mike Sullivan model. He wants his players to be in teams' faces relentlessly. Uh, he wants them to play defense, but over all 200 feet of the ice. That is translatable to home ice once it gets to that. Phil's obviously right. Whenever they're playing at PPG Paints Arena, they're going to try to do a little something extra here. But if they can take that road game 
and bring it to PPG Paints Arena for game one or game three or whatever's their first one for the playoffs. Look out. Forky, we hear you say it all the time. Kiss, keep it simple. And it makes things work so well. It does. Now, the Penguins are doing a great job lately of getting goals quickly off the faceoff. Dan, this tends to be by design. How do they keep it going here? Well, it, it is by design. They've they've done some terrific plays. Uh, uh, and in fact, the goal that Jake scored, Jake Gensel, uh, the other night in Nashville, which we're going to see right here, is totally a set play. Yeah. Chris Letang making the great lateral feed. They ran the exact same play last night in St. Louis and almost got another goal, only there was an outstanding save made on Jake. Uh, I love set face-off plays. It, 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 it's, it, if only to stick it to people who say, ah, hockey doesn't have any strategy. It's just a bunch of guys skating around or whatever here. There's a lot of work that goes into this. And Borky, we see it a lot consistently from this top line. They look phenomenal. It's been fun to kind of see, oh, I guess we're some, having some technical difficulties here. Hey, this is what happens with yeah, the he got, he, got, he, he just pricked the cactus out there. That's, that's what he did. That's <laughs> all right, though. We're going to continue right Oh, we have him back, apparently, I hear. There Welcome he is. back. Hey, hey, hey look yeah, at the I magic just, of yeah, television. I just, it was a coyote jump past the screen, knocked it off. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, uh, no, to talk about the set play off the faceoff, you know, the Penguins work on this. They have code names, actually, for this. And um, I am uh, sworn to uh, secrecy, so I can't let it out of the bag what the code word is, uh, just in case the opposition's watching. But yeah, that play by Jake Gensel, so many things have to work there. There's actually a sell on that. The goal that you're talking about in Nashville, there was a sell by Mike Matheson to pump fake like he was going to shoot the one-timer. And... Uh, it went to Jake, just a perfectly placed shot. It would have been special if it happened in back-to-back -back nights. Yeah, oh. wow. That would have been amazing, actually, because I don't know, Phil, I don't know that I, I would have ever seen something like that before if it had happened in back-to-back -back oh. games. <laughs> hey, maybe the next couple, right? Now, we have the three stars of the week coming up for you next. 11 on the Ice is sponsored by Don's Appliances. We'll be right back. It's time now to reveal your three stars of the week. And even 2,000 miles of separation won't keep these two from battling it out. Borky, we know you can't see the three stars right now based on the screen, so I'll read them out for everybody. Borky has Jari, Crosby, and Mike Matheson. Dayan has Mike Matheson, Brian Rust, and Tristan Jari. Take it away, guys. Well, I'm glad we agreed on Jari, right, Tristan? That's an easy one. I, I certainly would think so. Um, is in particular, the way he performed last night in St. Louis. He didn't face many shots, but the quality of the shots yeah. that he did and his alertness and the fact that he played his best hockey late in the game. And oh, by the way, remember Jari's issues with shootouts, Phil? No more. No he more. Locked it down <laughs> in overtime and shootout. He was at his absolute best. And you're right. Mike Matheson still has. He got. He got beat by David Perron. I get that. He still has those plays once in a while, right, Dan, where we cringe a little bit. We're waiting for that complete game, but he's getting closer, right? He's a special player. He could be a difference maker. Oh, you talk about those two goals that he scored in the past week, too. Same special. spot from that evil yeah. angle. That was evil. Those Both of those goals were evil. That's they the word. Were. That is actually exactly yeah. what and it I, is. I have a tough time when we do the three stars of leaving the, the captain out. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I, you know, I got the pom-poms out for 87. He's just game in and game out. He's, he's the guy for me.
Yeah, when he's playing the way he is, it's hard to argue with that. Mm -hmm. Well, that'll do it for us on 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Don's Appliances for Dave Gavachevich and Phil Bork and the entire Channel 11 sports team. I'm Jenna Harner. Have a great day.